Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. In this podcast, we talk to experts in and around the analytics industry. One week, we may talk to a data scientist from a FANG tech company. Then the next week, we may talk to a data engineer or business analyst, or even I may pull one of my consulting clients so you get to hear from an executive on how they use data to drive business decisions day in and day out. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm the founder of Silvertone Analytics, which is a boutique consulting agency that focuses on analytics for medium to small size businesses. I'm also a professor at Greensboro College, where I teach analytics. Most recently, I have founded the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program, which melds these two job functions together. This is your opportunity to work directly with me and one of my clients. The Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program is a three-month program. In the first month, you're going to be completing the Analytics Foundation Certification backed by Greensboro College. Then in month two, you're going to be taking that knowledge base that you developed in month one and applying it out in the field where you're going to be working with one of my client's executive teams where you're going to be solving a business problem using data and analytics tools. Then in the third month, we're going to bring it all together with a full month of career services. Now, this is going to be quite a bit different than the typical career services at a university or a college. Here, I'm going to help you build a professional brand around where you are as an analyst. So in the first month, you have worked with a ton of different data sets. We're going to take the data sets that really resonate with you to help you hone in on your ideal entry-level job. We're going to build a Tableau public portfolio around that area of expertise. We're going to razor focus your resume and LinkedIn. And I'm also going to coach you on how to talk about yourself in an interview setting. So if you're ready to break into the analytics space, 
head over to learn.silvertonianalytics/apprenticeship and there you can learn more about the program and if you're interested you can apply with all that being said let's start the podcast episode hello and welcome to the how to get an analytics job podcast where we will help you discover where you fit into the analytics marketplace what skills you should build and how to land your analytics dream job I'm John David, analytics agency owner and educator. And I'm Elizabeth Illig, a private career coach and higher education professional. In this podcast, we will not only help you land your next analytics job, but we will give you the tools and strategies to level up your career. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This week, I have a very special guest, Gary Fly, as we are going to continue to talk about the discovery process of how you can identify your strengths and weaknesses and find the right fit for you. So, Gary, we are up on, what, the ninth floor right now? The ninth floor, yes, John David. So I am in the top of a building with the CMO of the Brooks Group. Yes, excited to have you here. Glad you could make it today on this uh, cloudy, overcast, cold Friday. Yeah. So today I wanted to talk about the assessment test and the anecdote that you told me a few years back. So to give you some context, Gary actually was partnered with me in Silvertone before the Brooks Group took him away from me. (laughs) But um, there was one instance where you were talking about how when you were interviewing for clients or potentially on either side of the interview table, often the question would come up is, what is your biggest weakness? And you specifically addressed this question by talking about a strength assessment test. And you really use that as a foundation. Yeah, right. That? Yeah, happy to, John David. So um, as I was, I want to take the, take the story back a little bit. As I was uh, in a, a period of career transition, I actually decided to do a lot of uh, kind of self-awareness work. And as a part of that, I took a series of, of uh, assessments that measured all sorts of different attributes, uh, uh, one being the, the Clifton Strength Finder, but there were a number of them. And uh, in one of those um, assessments, I, I found that uh, one of the attributes that, that, that I was lower uh, in was uh, trusting. I, well, uh, that sounds backwards. I actually have, I am a very trusting person. So my score was uh, low on a skepticism uh, measure. And so I recognized that I need to, to be... Um, I need to pause when I'm trying to make decisions or looking for uh, opportunities or whatever I'm doing to really be a little bit more critical in my thinking, be, you know. And I've often thought that this uh, trusting is a is a great strength because I do trust others, but I have found that it can also, on the uh, flip side, be be a negative that I just need to be aware of. Uh, is that the is 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 that your recollection of the story? Yeah, that's exactly it. So. I mean, we often are faced with these really open-ended questions, and I think a lot of the people listening are very introverted, and they don't – well, I guess most people don't like to talk about themselves. There are a few exceptions. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) But um, so I think just giving the the listeners, the viewers, uh, a framework of how to talk about themselves, I think the assessment test does a really good job of that. 
Yeah, so um, it actually, what I have found is when people, whether they're interviewing me for a, whether I was being interviewed for a job or a consulting pra- a gig, you know, I, I had a consulting practice for a number of years, um, what I was able to do is say, well, you know, uh, I, you can take it back to the assessment and say, well, I've actually done some work to learn what my greatest strength is, and here's what I've learned, or I've done some work to learn what my greatest weakness is, and here's what I've learned. And I have found that often the interviewer will say, well, what do you mean you've done some work? And you say, well, you know, I went to a coach, and, and they had administered XYZ assessment, and here I learned that I, I tend to be low on the skepticism scale, and and for that reason I know that I need to pause and, and really ask myself kind of critical questions when I'm making a decision. So what I have found is, is if you can point to something that you've done, so if they've asked you, what is your greatest strength or what is your greatest weakness or where uh, where do you need development and you go back to well let me tell you you know I did the strengths finder and out of that I recognize that my greatest strength is uh, my strategic ability it really takes it away from it being your opinion about yourself right. to being kind of a validated neutral third party if you will that says oh I actually have done something around this you know I've done some work around this and and I can point to this validated assessment and say, yeah, I actually do have a strategic ability that apparently is my greatest strength, which may make me, you know, a good fit for this particular role or whatever it might be. Yeah. And actually what's coming to mind now is you're a fantastic storyteller. So I think... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That smile. Um, So I think what you can do is not only identify you know, your strengths or your weaknesses or things about yourself, but also couple that with a story. And I think you're really good at that. Yeah, well, thank you. So, yeah, that's exactly it. That connects the dots, I think, for the person on the other side of the table, right? So if the, if the question is, what is your greatest strength? Um, I think it, it occurs to me that, oh, yeah, my, you know, my, my ability uh, to string, think strategically uh, apparently is a strength as, as done by uh, Gallup, but, but I also kind of recognize that in myself because I often find that when I'm in a group setting, I'm able to connect, you know, at work or a brainstorming session or whatever, I'm able to connect dots that maybe others can't see. And, and for example, let me tell you, you know, uh, and, and that leads naturally into a story that could be, um, I, I think that that becomes more memorable for the person you're talking to. And I, I'll give you an example of that. I, uh, in a previous life, I happened to, uh, to work in a restaurant business, and I worked in a multi-unit uh, restaurant organization, and, and the Olympics were coming to town. And I happened to operate restaurants that were in the heart of Atlanta, and, uh, you know, you, you start to realize, oh, my goodness, we're going to have people from all over the world come in. We're going to have all sorts of different transportation challenges. Our workers are going to have a hard time potentially getting to work. Uh, you know, they're just started, you, when you start to really peel back that onion, you're like, oh, there's a lot of things that kind of go in. And so we convened a, a team to work on well, what do we do? And as a relatively junior member of that team, I was able to bring up some suggestions for multilingual language, uh, uh, multilingual menus, for uh, st- uh, shift changes at different times based on the timing of the events and things like that. And so, uh, you know, I think that makes it, when you can tell stories like that, it actually makes it real that, okay, I see what he means when he's talking about his strategic ability, or I see what he means when he's talking about whatever it might be. 
Yeah. And did you feel comfortable sharing the company? It, yeah, so it was Waffle House. So that, that's what's so funny is you've talked about Waffle House quite a bit. Yeah. And everyone knows it. Right. Everyone, all of a sudden you're bringing this kind of abstract, foggy story to everyone's had, you know, what do they call them? Uh, the cheesy. The, uh, the, uh, the hash browns. Scat- yeah. Uh, scattered mother covered chunk diced right. and topped and the uh, order scrambled cheese raisin. Yeah. So now, now everyone can put themselves, you know, when they were in that diner and right. it becomes a whole lot more impactful, especially when you're telling a story that's, you know, rooted in reality. I think it resonates a whole lot more. Yeah, and I, I think it, it, it does a few things. One, it humanizes you, right? Right. As opposed to just being a list of attributes. Oh, I'm strategic, I'm a maximizer, I'm a connector, right? It, it makes you human and a person, and I think it makes you memorable in who's ever asking you those questions in their eyes, right? Because right. they, they can, you kind of draw them in, if you will. Oh, let me tell you about the time I worked for Waffle House and I did this. And all of a sudden, you kind of start to transport them into the into the building and they're starting to picture yeah. this thing. So, <clears throat> yeah, I believe that storytelling is a powerful way to connect emotionally and in, in a very human way. Yeah, because that, that whole concept of just corporate jargon can be meaningless. But if you couple it with an actual, you know, if you embody it, then it's a whole different ballgame. Right. Like the word synergy, I feel like that's just thrown <laughs> out there all the time. Right. But, I mean, now that I've, like, kind of gotten a little bit further into my career – um, synergy is like an actually a very important, you know, strength or p- pattern to develop and you do it through partnerships. Right. Exactly. And then you could, then you have stories that come out naturally for that. I mean, I, I'm familiar enough with you, John David, to know like some of the work you're doing with some not-for-profit organizations yeah. in town and, and how <clears throat> you've linked up and taken your abilities, uh, to them and, and actually created great pivots in the way they think. And it's this right. very synergistic relationship, but it gives you great stories to say, well, let me tell you about the time I worked with XYZ and we did this thing that drove, you know, drove awareness or drove uh, fundraising for them or drove whatever. Yeah, that's, that's actually really interesting that you um, bring that up in that with Tried Local First, the uh, nonprofit that I sit on the board of directors with, um, we're actually looking at partnering with a credit union to have a Tried Local First credit card Oh, that's so that we can then track all the purchases. So getting back to storytelling, in the nonprofit space, which this is a total side tangent, um, you, they need to quantify their impact. So that's you can do that through analytics, through storytelling. Yeah, exactly. And if you were asked to explain a strength of yours and you said, hey, I have this, I believe a strength of mine is my ability to, to tie together disparate data points in a way that actually makes sense for mm-hmm. a company and helps an enterprise uh, do well, mm, that sounds kind of dry. It's true, but it sounds kind of dry. But then if you follow that with this story of, well, let me uh, let me give you an example of Triad Local First and the use of this card, et cetera, right. then it's just as easy to follow and it starts to, it, you connect the dots for the listener. That's interesting. This conversation has totally gone in a direction I didn't expect, which is good. So I, I thought we were going to talk about the Clifton Strengths Finder, but now we're talking about storytelling. Yes. Which I mean, I guess they're very intricately, or very intensely related in that the Strength Finders helps you find your stories. I think so, right? And again, going back to an interview type setting, setting or a, an open ended question about tell me, tell me about your strength or tell me about your weakness. 
I believe just that a recitation of those strengths. So mine are strategic maximizer. Uh, uh, wow, you can just like rattle them off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So right, I can tell you uh, here's where mine are, I, or here's what mine are. But if you're not f- familiar with the vernacular, then it again it becomes kind of a sterile um, list. So uh, if you implement it incorrectly, taking this assessment could actually kind of make you sound. Silly. I, I don't know. I don't know if that where I was actually going is that I believe that the storytelling starts to bring those attributes to life. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so I can tell you that I've taken an assessment that's been validated. So if you ask me my greatest strength with confidence, I can say, yeah, it's strategic. I've got a strategic yeah. strength. But that doesn't. It's kind of back to your synergy word. What does that really mean, right? Right. Well, let me tell you. What, you know, let me illustrate through a story what that means. That brings it. To come bring, uh, brings it to life. I think that that's where it. That, I, that's the point I was really talking. Well, I think the, you're, what you're getting at is critical thinking. Mm-hmm. So, not only are you identifying these concepts, but then you're showing in real time during the interview right. that you can think critically. Which, by the way, listeners, you need to do that as an analyst. You need to think critically about problems, and data sets, and actually solving all these different problems. Yes. Exactly, and then the the last or a, a last point around that, I think it's it's critical to understand who you're talking to. So if you're talking to another analyst who probably likes a lot of detail, give them a lot of detail. But if you're talking to a, a sales guy who probably just wants to know the rest of the story, if you will, yeah, like where where, where do I need to spend my time right. to make the most money? So to be to be an effective communicator, you need to understand also kind of the strengths of the person or the or the information uh, preferences of the person you're talking right. to. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I tell a story about one of my brothers who, um, when I ask him what time it, it, it is, the first thing he wants to tell me about is how his watch works. And, I, <laughs> you know, that's just too much detail for me. Yeah. I don't want that. I want to know what time it is. And so... Um, for effective communication to occur, you need to also understand kind of the communication preference of the person on, that you're talking with or interacting with. So I feel like uh, me and your brother have quite a bit in common. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you remember when we first started working together and I would go into all the different data sets, yeah. everything to a very granular level, level, and you would just be like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, what, yeah, just distill it down. What's yeah. the recommendation? Right. Because that, that's a huge skill set for an analyst. I think that is the, the, the biggest skill set because what you're doing is you're turning data into information, right? You're taking right. data points, hopefully, and creating actionable uh, information or information that the, the user can take action on. But if they don't understand what that recommendation is, if you can't create clarity through the analysis of the data sets, then it's really not of much value to, to the end user, right? And so right. they've got to be able to say, okay, I, I now clearly understand what it is that's going on underneath the hood, right? I need, I see what the data points are telling me. So let me try to sum this up simply. So you want answers. You don't want your analyst to give you more homework to do. Exactly right. That's a great thing. I, yeah. want, I want a recommendation, a summary, uh Here's what it means. And again, I think that goes back to this idea uh, that we spoke about a minute ago. It's like, wh- what is the communication preference what, of the person that you're communicating with? And if you don't understand that and have some sense for it, 
mm-hmm. then there's always going to be a disconnect. And you're not, and regardless of how good the work is you're doing, it's not going to resonate with the person on the other side. Regardless of how clearly you understand your strengths and weaknesses, if you can't clearly articulate that, and, sh- and I think show it with a story, it's not going to resonate with the person asking the question, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of parallel and similarity there. So getting back to the concept of discovery, so you've only had, you've, you've had what, like three different careers now? I think that's what they said <laughs> yes. during your, uh, you know, celebration of the CMO position. Yes. I th- one of your buddies came up to you and was like, what is this, career number four right now? <laughs> so how, how did you go about proactively you kind of staying in touch with, you know, where you wanted to go, you know, the strengths and weaknesses you have, the work you find enjoyable? Yeah. So it really did go back to to a pretty intense self-awareness process of let me assess myself and go to a career coach that can help me take these data points that the assessments show, that my successes and failures in my first career showed, uh, that that my natural tendencies uh, showed. And, and actually create a little plan. So it was it was very similar to kind of a data data analysis type process, right? It was, yeah, yeah. let's really look at you and how you're wired. Let's look at where you've succeeded and failed. Let's look at things you've enjoyed and things you've not enjoyed and, and start to look for some common themes and threads out of that and use that to make recommendations about where you fit in the world, if you will, and where you are successful and where you're productive and where you're adding value mm-hmm. and where you're at peace mentally, right? And you're excited and you're and you look forward to Monday and you don't, you know, you don't dread it and all those sorts of things. Yeah, well, I, I think I remember you talking about a couple of years back how Waffle House was like a perfect little like Petri dish sandbox for you to play in. Which then, you know, you did, how long did you do that for? Uh, 21 years. After 21 years of doing that, you then launched into Performance CXO, which is a fractional um, C-suite executive organization. So you'd go in, you just enjoyed, like, flipping companies like you'd flip a house, right? Right, right, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really played in, you know, when I mapped back to my strengths finder, it really, uh, Performance CXO really mapped back to that in a lot of ways. Uh, and and where I was happiest was when I was aligned with those strengths. Um, and, and, you know, while I had a sense um, anecdotally maybe of what those strengths were, doing the exercise, doing the drill, and actually going through a process yeah. to surface those made it much easier for me to be intentional about mapping back to that and looking for situations that, that um, allowed me to to uh, to use those strengths and whatnot. Interesting. So I guess let's pivot now into your. So you're a CMO. What do you think are the traits that a good analyst? So if there are people that are listening now that are kind of on the fence whether they should be an analyst or maybe they should go and get like a sales job. Which by the way, you guys do great, great sales training. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So. Rephrase the question, or ask it again, because I started down one path. Okay. Um, so, from your perspective as a CMO, what makes for a good analyst? What characteristics? Yeah. Okay. What you know? We're in that discovery month. Like, what what are the you know personal characteristics that matter? Yeah. So I.
We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. I, I think there are a number of things. Um, in terms of just kind of the root uh, makeup of a good analyst, I think there needs to be a natural curiosity. You love that word. Right? I think that's right. <laughs> or I intriguing. Yeah, they, yeah, that's right. You, get, uh, you, you need to be curious, um, and then you need, to be, um, you need to be willing to go kind of three, three deep on your, your questioning, right? Yeah. Um, to scratch, really scratch beneath the What do you the mean surface. by three deep? So, you know, let me see what I, you know, what's... Why is this happening? Well, why is that happening? You know, kind of keep, yeah, yeah, keep, keep digging, going, and digging, keep digging and digging, right? And really start to test your hypothesis and test the right the the, the information. So I think there's there has to be a natural level of, of curiosity. Um, I believe that there needs to be an ability to to connect things that may seem like they're not naturally aligned, right? So, so lateral thinking. Yes, yeah, so yeah. lateral thinking, kind of looking around corners and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll go back to the idea of communication. You have to be able to understand who the audience is and what they value and what they're trying to, to do with the data, mm-hmm. right? So are they, are they, you know, if they're trying to improve their supply chain then they need data around that and they need recommendations that are pointed to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they're not as concerned about, um, well, they would be concerned about sales trends. Because of demand planning. Because of demand planning, right? right. Yeah. So, so while I was going down one path, what it, what it really <laughs> There's is, that lateral thinking right there. There you go. It's really kind of this holistic understanding of, well, the user is trying to do X with this data. How do I help them do that? How do I help them make decisions mm-hmm. around supply chain? How do I may help them understand what information is, is uh, I'm unlocking inside of these data sets? That's so the ability fantastic. to communicate well. Yeah, so wait, let's recap them. So curiosity, Yep. you said lateral, lateral thinking, thinking, and communication. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think that's actually a really good summation of what makes for a good an- and. You're the person person. You're the perfect person to ask. You right. know. Well, thank you for being, <laughs> thank you for that. I uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's always uh, I've always been intrigued by uh, the data and the use of data and and how can you better um, make decisions using it. And it's to me, it's like a I don't know. It's like a uh, a hunt or a puzzle or a, yeah, you know, a great mystery. You know, what I think of it as I don't like data's a new oil. Huh? Yeah. I like so that. Okay. I'm an oil man. 
a modern day oil man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, back in the day, um, there's actually this really cool picture that I found somewhere on the internet of it's like an oil rig. But instead of smoke coming out, it's zeros and ones. Oh, that's cool. And it's got, like, Facebook and Google. Because, I mean, yeah, that um, – those who are trying to get into analytics, I feel like are getting – they really have their finger on the pulse of something that's, like, emerging and growing. Right. Like, the, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Do you yeah. think that's going to – Yeah, I think that – Continue to grow? I think, yes. I think it's going to be – I think it will be a foundational part of successful companies in the future, and it will be the competitive – in the near term – those that can harvest it will have a competitive advantage that uh, that really uh, uh, sets them apart in the marketplace, right? Um, understanding customers' ebbs and flows, understanding and and um, and um, oh, improving supply chain, understanding new product development based on what you're seeing. All those. I mean, I think it gives you. It just takes the guesswork out of it, right? And so it allows yeah. the company to be much more intentional with their use of resources, it, it, it really, when well applied, I think it, 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 it infiltrates or, or permeates the entire organization. Right. And things that you might not think are, uh, would be a result of good data analysis, such as, uh, you know, hiring and the types of people you're hiring and the types of projects you're working on, I think all of that starts to, to, to map back to it. Fascinating. So... I do want to ask you, well, since you're such an expert, so to give you guys context, Gary has been on both sides of the interview table quite a bit. Yeah. So when you were a fractional CXO, you were hiring and firing people, right? right? Exactly. Um, so how do you suss out these character traits? So let's they were curiosity, lateral thinking, and communication. Yeah. So I would do a couple of things. One... Um, I would ask some questions around it. So I'll give you an example of a question I would ask to try to understand curiosity and willingness to dig deep. And I would I would always say, well, tell me what you did to prepare for this interview. Oh, that's a good one. Right? Yeah. And uh, if somebody said, well, I spent some time on your website, I went to you know the store and looked at your products, I drove by the office so I knew where it was and I wouldn't be late, I uh, spent time on Glassdoor and Indeed, you know, I mean, you, you you can start to say, oh, okay, this person actually kind of went three deep in it, right? They started to really try to understand. So that's that curiosity piece. Yeah. So can you give a counterexample? Yes. <laughs> Have I told you the story before? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So uh, I was interviewing a, a young man who had played uh, uh, collegiate football for a uh, top top program. And so I was really intrigued by what's it like to be in that sort of environment. And so he was telling me all sorts of stories about the, the level of uh, preparation and practice and all of those sorts of things. So I thought, oh, he'll nail this question. So I said, well, what did you do to prepare for this interview? And he said, well, I had a big breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, okay. And I thought maybe that was the first part of a multi-step process, but it was not. So... That told me that maybe he wasn't real high on the curiosity scale or the yeah. ability to go deep. Well, the wor- the worst one I think I've ever heard was um, when I was interviewing for Volvo trucks during my internship. Um, the hiring manager was like, "Yes, yeah, sometimes inter- like interns show up 
and they think we're a car company. <laughs> we split from Volvo Cars like 10 years ago. So if you don't know that, I'm immediately not going to hire you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, a real practical example like that is with public companies, you can look online at their uh, annual reports and mm-hmm. their quarterly reports. Um, if nothing else, you can at least pick up what their current focus is. Uh, you pick up some industry vernacular. Um, you And it probably in, instills some good questions. Um, that's the other thing I look at is, is, or I think about in an interview, is do they have good questions for me, right? Do they say something like, oh, I noticed on your website that you all do X, Y, and Z. Uh, I'd be intrigued to know a little bit more about uh, uh, how my role might support that, or I, I don't know if that's a very good example, but actually pulling stuff that they've seen uh, right. into the interview, into the questions, I think shows, again, a level of curiosity and a willingness to kind of go deep and, and to put some coherent thought around it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was, I've actually interviewed Alexander Moy, uh, who works in the finance industry, and he talks about how they do three steps interviews. So the first one is just to screen people out. And then the second one is to kind of whittle it down. And the third one is about fit. Yeah. So asking questions about what the corporate culture is like, is there opportunity to grow? Are there opportunities for me to expand my skill set? I think that is an extremely great way to, you know, kind of set yourself apart. Yeah, and I think if you can map it back to it, right? Like say, oh, I noticed that you guys, you know, your corporate culture is all over your website. It must be important. And I was really intrigued by your uh, your your uh, core value of nimble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let me tell you, know, let, let me ask a couple questions right there. That shows me that, oh, this person has paid attention, that they've asked, they've thought about it, and that there's something that resonated with them, right? So that's intriguing to me. The other thing I do during an interview uh, is I do something called a realistic job preview where I create a scenario for them. And I'm not looking necessarily for the right answer. I'm looking for good questions in the way they approach uh, a, 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 a situation. So, for example, when we were hiring uh, for uh, somebody to do, to do some content creation, we gave them a, a two writing um, uh, prompts. S- prompts yeah, and let them go for about... 30 minutes and said, you know, we're happy to answer questions, whatever you need. And, you know, through that, they created a couple of work samples, uh, but they were able, when they were able, but when they were asked about why they developed what they did, that was the tell for me, right? That was what was really important to hear them think through, well, here's what I understood in the assignment. Here's what I was trying to convey in these writing samples. Here's why I went and went down this path. So that's like a case study. Yeah. So to bring it back to analytics, if they give you like a problem to solve, you might get it wrong, but it, like, I, what is the question I've heard is there'll be a big jar of marbles and they'll say, how many marbles do you think are in this jar? And then you have to kind of, well, you know, if a, you know, a three by three square of marbles is probably 20 marbles and it looks like there's 15 in there and then just do the math. Yeah. So like how you kind of go about thinking, it's not about actually getting it right. Because, I mean, learning is an iterative process that you can, you know, eventually come to the right solution as long as you have that thought process. I think that's exactly right. So so as the interviewee, you know, you don't want to freeze up. You want to recognize that what they're, what's probably happening is we want to see how this person thinks and how they defend their thinking, if you will, or defend sounds too strong, but, but, you know, uh, 
Oh, I think that's fair. Is it? Do you think yeah. so? When we were working together, you would just poke holes on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so defend your thinking. We'll stay with that. Yeah. And um, and that's what's the most intriguing part to, to me, and I think most folks in a hiring situation, that's what they're really after, right? Mm-hmm. How does this person think and process? And uh, and that shows critical thinking and lateral thinking. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the time today. John David, it's always a pleasure to be with you. I'm, I'm glad that you came by and I'm always happy to help. Yeah, thanks. All right, take care. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.